Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Sports Unite podcast. Uh, welcome back again, and this episode is going to be all about March Madness. Woo! What? What was that? Were, are you telling me March Madness already started and we're late to the game? I I don't think so. I I I'm gonna have to look this up. Oh. Oh, wow. We are very late on this. Well, this is going to be your uh, recap and March Madness episode into the Sweet 16. So, oh, well, we're late. Uh, But back again to talk about March Madness and how bad the bracket is going uh, is Cole. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And might I say my bracket is absolutely destroyed and you know what i love it i can't complain that's march madness so before we get into the march madness stuff we're going to get into the uh news that will unite us all segment uh, as we always try and bring you a heartwarming lovely story that gets you in a nice i don't want to say cute and cuddly mood but uh a nice warm and fuzzy mood uh the same feeling that you get when you watch sports unless your team is losing or your bracket is busted or you bet a lot of money and you lost i can't help you there uh but uh one story we have this week i'm sure it's come out a long time ago but this is way back from the 2002 olympics in salt lake yes way way back to the year 2002 i don't know if everyone who listening was born then but uh, I certainly was. Uh, and the story involves four 21-year-olds uh, from Calgary who drove down to Salt Lake City in Utah, stayed in their car because they couldn't get a hotel room, and uh, staying in the parking lot. And they were eating at a uh, restaurant, the same restaurant that Calgary uh, Flames great Jerome Gilna was playing at. And uh, the waitress said that they were from Calgary. So he went over and talked with them for 10 minutes about how they got scalp tickets to their round robin game. They wrote uh, paint on their stomachs uh, and talked for good 10 minutes and then went back. And at the end of it, when they were leaving, he went back to say goodbye. And all he did was he wrote instructions and directions on a napkin on a hotel to go at where his family was staying. And they got a room and not only that later they found out that he had paid for it uh so i just think jerome is a stand-up guy always has been uh shame he didn't win a cup in calgary but uh should always be celebrated for the good stuff that you do no matter how long ago it was and if it you know comes out 20 30 years later what a great story And speaking of stories, Cole, you have one this week. First time we've had someone bring one to the show. Take it away. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, Tonight, in fact, the story is happening. Uh, Tonight, the Toronto Raptors versus the Denver Nuggets are being a part of history as for the first time in NBA, they will have an all-female broadcast team which will consist of Kia Nurse, Megan McPeck, Kayla Gray, Amy Odbert, 
and Kate Burness. In a month-long celebration of women in sport, this is a huge step forward in promoting diversity, not just in sports itself, but, a, but the culture as well, from every aspect. As a Canadian and a Raptors fan, it brings me great heartfelt joy to be a part of this amazing celebration. Yeah, that's a huge achievement uh, in broadcasting, in equality, in everything, uh, I think. And uh, yeah, if you are listening to this, obviously uh, the game has passed. Uh, But uh, so far the Raptors are in the lead, but they're uh, not doing so good uh, as of late. So uh, maybe this is the turnaround that they need. Uh, And with the trade deadline, Uh, happening tomorrow which is uh thursday uh who knows what is going to happen tomorrow so it's going to be a very interesting next 24 hours for the nba yeah i'm a little afraid but uh maybe this will bring us some good luck and we're gonna head now to our olympic countdown we're making our way through uh i thought you know, maybe we might finish really early to, before the Olympics. And then I looked at the list of uh, where we still have to go. And I did not remember that list correctly because we are only on the S <laughs> and there are sports way into the W. So we're nowhere close to being finished, which I guess is good for you, the listeners. This week's sport is, I guess, not so confusing, but misunderstood. Uh, Fencing. Have you ever tried to fence? I can't say I ever have. I feel like it'd be a lot like uh, Star Wars and the lightsabers. It looks like a lot of fun, and I'd love to try it. Uh, maybe if it was lightsabers, more people tingle. might uh, partake or try it out. But I think more people <laughs> might lose limbs and get injured. Yeah, I mean, there's that risk. (laughs) So uh, for this week's sports fencing, uh, which has over 200 athletes, which is an insane number. I had no idea there were that many athletes that qualified for fencing at the Summer Olympics. Uh, But there are three different categories within fencing. So makes sense why uh, there are so many athletes. Now, fencing is one of the legacy events, as I call it, uh, as uh, it has been at every Olympics since the 1896 revival. Uh, The women's event began at the 1924 Games and has flip-flopped on which is included, which not is included. Uh, But we have three different types of event, and it's all based on the type of sword. Uh, So you have the foil, the epée, and the saber or sabre, if you want to put some flair on it, but it's saber. Don't ever put flair on it. You might get struck by a saber and <laughs> you won't be wearing protection. Uh, so of course, fencing, you wear that kind of fun looking mask. So you can be all intimidating underneath or make faces and no one sees. And then wear the white garb and you're held on by a little device now. 
and it's it's so advanced this is one of the sports where technology has really played because it used to just be all oh eyeball and then they added little sensors and now it's just all sensors so you can tell when a sword hits uh, your opponent and where on the body because depending on the type of event you can hit different parts of your body and other places you're not allowed so that and you have a kind of single space one aisle if you will that you can go back and forth you can't jump off uh, you can't go too far back without committing a foul so uh, each discipline has a team component as well for each gender so there's no co-op or uh, mixed uh, events it's teams for both women and men and then individual the foil event. This is a light thrusting weapon and target is restricted from the to the torso uh, and only the torso and no double touching. So if you think you touch, don't try again because if you did and you double touch, that's a foul. The epée is a heavy weapon and the entire body is fair game and double touches are allowed. The saber, this is the lightest of the weapons uh, and it's considered a light thrusting and cutting weapon. So you can really do some damage. And almost everything above the waist uh, being a target minus the hands uh, and the back of the head. I don't know how often the back of the head gets hit in uh, fencing. I guess it must be enough for it to be a rule. I thought you didn't turn around in fencing. Uh, I guess that's the idea, right? You shouldn't turn around. If you're turned around, you're probably in trouble. <laughs> and I'm guessing those people don't go very far. Uh, qualification. All qualification. Apparently it's not fair game, or it was too much of a fair game. <laughs> All qualification is done based on official ranking. Uh, through the Fédération Internationale d'Escrimée. Uh, for teams, eight teams can qualify uh, for each event. So each of the foil, uh, epée, and sabre. Of course, men's team and women's team. They're comprised of three fencers and one alternate. The top four ranked teams qualify automatically. And then the next best four teams uh, ranked from each region. So you have the African region, Americas, Europe, and Asia slash Oceania. That fills out uh, as long as they are ranked in the top 16 overall. So that's how you get your top eight. Each member of that team automatically qualifies for the individual event. So uh, if your team makes the uh, EPE, then three, I guess your top three are going to make uh, the men's side or the women's side, whatever team qualifies. Six more places for the ranked individuals minus all the ones who qualify. So if they're uh, the six next best placed people, or if the fourth place person, their team doesn't make it, they get in. Top two fencers from Europe and the Asia slash Oceania get in. And the top one fencer from Africa and America get in for that. There's one other spot for each region uh, winning qualification tournaments. Only countries without a qualified fencer for that event can be eligible to take part in those qualifying tournaments. So 
if a team or a individual has already qualified from the automatic births, the team, uh, the uh, being a top fencer in the area, uh, you can't go to those qualifying events. You have to, I guess, plead your case or find better teammates. Japan is awarded uh, <laughs> the top, uh, gets eight spots uh, for individuals. And ranking cutoff is now scheduled for April 5th, 2021, uh, since everything had to be pushed. And then qualifying events uh, happen next, or I guess April, it's almost April, next week is April already, uh, to fill out those spots. And it all depends. So you have to wait for the qualification time frame to finish to see who can attend those qualifying events for the region. Uh, most of the countries and spots, so if nothing changes by April 5th, uh, then you can go on and see which teams, what fencers are probable of uh, making it on. And then at the end of the month, we should have a full 200 list. At the 2016, Russia uh, finished with the most medals, uh, seven in total and four gold. Hungary and Italy finished 2-3 respectively with four medals each, but Hungary finished higher because of their gold medal count. Have you ever watched or tried any fencing? I have watched it the occasional time on the Olympics. Um, definitely never tried it. I would love the opportunity to try it. Um, I definitely don't know where to go for that, but uh, I think it'd be a fun new experience. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some schools where you can try it. Uh, uh, I know in Gilmore Girls, Rory goes to a very prestigious high school and they teach fencing. So that just shows you what many people thought of fencing and where it was taught because it certainly wasn't at any public school. So Maybe it's more uh, <laughs> sought after now in North America, but it's very much a European uh, sport for that uh, time period and nowadays. But that's why Russia, Hungary, Italy, uh, those are the top teams uh, and countries in that event. But there are some Canadians in there, so we'll have to see if Canada or the United States or any America's team can make a splash Woohoo! now for the moment that you've all been waiting for the madness we are here to recap and talk about what we think is going forward um first off just the amount of money and planning that took this tournament to happen i applaud them uh so far, things are looking okay because they've formed a bubble-ish, which is the best case scenario. Um, yeah, I keep going back and forth with if this should have happened, if it shouldn't have, um, but they, they, they have all, almost all the money in the world. They seem to be able, like the NFL, to print money whenever they want, so that's why they want this tournament. They couldn't have it last year. They want the money again. Um, so, yeah, this is one of the best times to be a sports fan because you have basketball, hockey, usually finishing up, March Madness, baseball starting. So it's a, a good way to kick off the year. It's usually a good 
kind of marker of where we are in the year. March, okay. February after the Super Bowl was kind of bad, uh, but March is here and we're heading into the spring. Uh, what do you think about uh, if the tournament should have happened? You know what? I I think it should have, and I'm really glad they were able to organize it relatively safely enough for, I mean, the little bit of fans to attend, but also safety enough for the students and the athletes attending from all the schools, uh, both men's and women's. It's, I mean, really shown they've only had to have, have one game canceled so far. Uh, and that was the first night, unfortunately. But other than that, they really set a precedent of having seven uh, negative tests before entering the bubble and continuous testing. Um, I think we really needed this tournament as sports fans, as people that have been in kind of a slump the last year and a bit with COVID and things being canceled and not going forward. Uh, I really think that this is starting to be uplifting for a lot of people and a lot of sports fans. So I'm really glad uh, Indianapolis and the NCAA were able to pull it off. Well, that's, that's definitely an understatement for all the sports fans in, in America as they get vaccinated more and more and things start to kind of get back to where we were in 2019 uh, very slowly, but you could tell definitely down in America, they, they almost needed this. And like you said, yeah, they, they didn't take a joke. It wasn't just one test and you're in, you mentioned the seven before they were ankle monitors that beep when they're too close uh, in distance, all the teams have to stay within uh, their own bubble. They can't mingle except when they're playing each other on the games. It's just a, uh, uh, a well thought out so far, uh, I don't want to call it experiment, but uh, now how do you feel about the game starting on Thursday or Friday, I should say, instead of Thursday and having games on Monday? <laughs> yeah, it threw me for a bit of a loop. Because uh, I always expected to uh, be like, oh, the Thursday noon games, and then no, Friday noon games, and then play on the Monday. It was a little weird. Uh, I guess I'm used to it. Afghan, as of how it's going to go, at least till the weekend after, but I'm okay with it. I can still watch most of the games. Yeah, people just had to, you know, take Monday off instead of Thursday, Friday. So really, they're just, you know, saving uh, a day off because, I mean, no one works Friday anymore. So they didn't have to waste a vacation day on Friday. So that was the positive. They're just thing. looking out for the people. Looking out for the people. <laughs> and I think finally we are starting to see the separation or thought we were seeing the separation between the men's and women's tournament. This is the most amount of coverage I've ever seen for the women's game. I guess this is from Canada. So we, they would show games, but not at this rate, not at this availability to people. You can watch it both on TV and online. 
And it does help too that, uh, you know, round two for the women's tournament is happening right now. Uh, and they started a day or two later than the men. Uh, so that's fine. I'm perfectly okay with all basketball being played at the same time. Uh, if it's up against a men's game, it's not going to get the numbers as if it's the only basketball game, but the availability is there. And if you want to watch two to three games at one time, you can, uh, I'm almost certain you can do that in the United States and here in Canada, we can as well, but, uh, clearly the NCAA hasn't gotten the memo on how big the women's tournament has gotten in the past decade, uh, or since 2000. And uh, that was very, very evident with the weight room because uh, clearly the women's teams just need a set from Canadian Tire Walmart of dumbbells that uh, clearly fell off the truck of an Amazon delivery and someone's missing their home gym set. <laughs> um, I don't want to ask if you were shocked because you should be, but at the same time, are we really shocked? Um, but what do you say to, I guess, the support that came out after the video was taken? Seeing all the professional athletes, both men and women, uh, kind of call out the NCAA for that was great to see. It needed to happen. That was absolutely disgraceful. Like, I'm pretty sure most people picked up the same amount of weights, if not a little more during the start of COVID for their own home workout areas. Uh, and That's what I'm that saying. It was probably an employee who didn't use his workout gear and it was like, oh, I'll just bring this here. Uh, a little disgraceful on the NCAA side. I'm happy they decided to step their game up right away and gave them the facility and space that they deserve. Um, Hopefully next year they uh, don't make that same mistake twice. I mean, they, they've already been called out for it. So if it happens again, I, I can't see people not losing their minds worse. And there's just no excuse. The excuse of, oh, there was no room. And, oh, look, there's magically room. And, oh, look, now there's magically a, uh, a weight room for them. So clearly there was room before just in fury magical ballroom that wasn't used yeah wow imagine that just a... well speaking of the women's tournament let's start there uh not as many upsets in the first round as the men's side uh but i find with the women's side the 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 rankings uh because you can't treat it as the the men's side whereas this year, we're going to get into it, all the different names that we've never heard of. But, uh, you know, on the women's side, it's there's a lot more. There, there's the 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 teams that are always going to be there. The the Yukons, the the um, you know the Kentuckys, the Baylors, uh, the ones that are really high up there in the women's game for for many many years. Uh, but even the names that you don't really hear, they're still pretty good in the uh, in the women's game. So while we didn't see a lot of high seed beating low seed upsets, 
I don't think you should discount that, uh, you know, the, those seeds didn't really get in there and play. Oh, you're absolutely right. Uh, this diverse group this year are outstanding. You're seeing players from all over different teams uh, really dominate. And yeah, they haven't been a huge upsets, but all the teams, a lot of the teams this year have a lot of kind of stacked talent uh, with a number of them being Canadian, which is so great to see. And from other parts of the world as well, uh, just seeing the game grow for the women's side more and more each year is huge. Yeah. And so uh, we had number 13, Wright State upset Arkansas. Uh, and number 12, Belmont, get their first ever tournament win. They were seeded number 12, and they got a win over Gonzaga. And 11, BYU uh, beat number 6, Rutgers. Uh, so there are three big upsets. And even right now, uh, Iowa State is 7th, and they're currently leading uh, the number 2 seed, Texas A&M. BYU, that 11 seed, is playing Arizona, and it's a one-point game right now with a minute 20 left. Um, there, you know, the one seeds are not really in trouble, uh, like they are in the men's side, uh, right now already. Uh, but that doesn't take anything away. Uh, you're still getting quality games. Safe. Yeah, definitely not safe. Um, so yeah, go watch, uh, the women's side. Definitely for sure. Uh, the games are really, really close. Of course, you're always going to get some blowout upsets, but you get that in the men's side too, and no one complains about that. So I don't think there's an argument. So go watch it. Uh, clearly, this is in the future because you're going to be watching uh, the Sweet 16 for the women's side by the time uh, you're hearing this because those round two games will be over. So, uh, yeah, go watch the, uh, the women's side. Do you have a, a favorite uh, women's team or a team that you're cheering for for this year's tournament? Oh, I don't know. Um, I mean, UConn's always one of my favorites. They've had a lot of Canadian talent in the past. Um, but you take a look at, uh, like, number 12 Belmont or BYU – Never hurts to kind of cheer for those underdogs. I'm going out there. We're going Iowa State on the women's side. That's our that is our bet for the women's side. Put some money on it, and if you lose money, I apologize. You probably shouldn't listen to me. So. Don't come yell at us, please. Now we're going to turn our attention to the men's side. And, oh, man, this is lots of people are upset and complaining. But this is what March Madness is all about. You want to talk about the upsets. You want stories like all 10 Indiana teams lost. Or, sorry, Indianapolis teams. Indy. Yeah, the state is Indiana, not Indianapolis. That's the, the city. <laughs> All 10 Indiana State teams lost in the first round. I guess there's kind of bad luck hosting the uh, whole tournament there. I, I guess so. It was thanks for your hospitality. We don't need you anymore. We got this. 
Of course, the talk of the first round was the team that 98% of the people, other than people who go to the school, uh, have never heard of, beating the Ohio State, the school that people who don't even watch sports know that they are called the Ohio State for some reason and they don't understand it. I can't believe I realized I didn't realize that Oral Roberts has the top NBA scorer in the league with Max Admus. And I don't know how I never realized that. And I am one of those several, several thousand people who did not pick them to win. I mean, you also have Ohio, not Ohio State. Because a lot of the times it's uh, the original name, not the state school that is usually better. But Ohio State, generally better than Ohio. Ohio beat Virginia and thus being the better team this year at basketball. Uh, Abel Christian over Texas. Again, another school that if you go there, you know of it. If you don't, never heard of it. UCLA over BYU. Syracuse, although I, the 11 seed... It's never really a shocker because you get teams like UCLA and Syracuse in 11, but still the number is what people concentrate on. So 11 seeds winning Oregon state over Tennessee, North Texas. Again, if you're from North Texas, you know, North Texas, if you're from South Texas, uh, they don't like North North Texas. Texas. (laughs) Exactly. So round one, what were your uh, thoughts coming out of just round one? mind-blowing i mean game after game shot after shot you saw an outstanding amount of athleticism going on schools you've never even heard of crushing the dreams of top-ranked teams and fans on top of that uh brackets being busted within the first like couple hours of the tournament starting it it was an outstanding first round let alone not even the second round starting but first you saw teams that you forgot about like Loyola College with Sister Jean and I think some of the seating could have been a little a little better some of the surprised were uh, a little a little ranked higher than I thought, but uh, great basketball. I don't think they knew what to do with the rankings this year, so they just kind of threw stuff against the wall, and uh, there we go. Absolutely. Then we move into round two. So generally this is the time, round one and round two, you think the number one seeds are just going to breeze in. Gonzaga... Uh, looking for the undefeated season, uh, beat Oklahoma, no problem. Baylor beat Wisconsin, no problem. Uh, Michigan took care of LSU, no problem. And then our dear sister Jean, 101-year-old sister Jean, uh, being the good luck charm that she is for Loyola College uh, out of Chicago, Uh, upsetting handily the Illinois team being the first number one seed out. 
You never want to be that first number one seed out, and you definitely don't want to do it on the first weekend. They just cruised through. Uh, and in that same bracket, Oregon State uh, beating Oklahoma State. So we have an 8-12 matchup in the Sweet 16. So one of those teams is going to the Elite Eight, which is crazy to think of. Syracuse uh, beating West Virginia. Uh, so a number 11 seed going through. Uh, UCLA 11 seed against uh, the Abel Christian Uh I mean, their luck ran out, if you would, but 11 versus a 14 seed. So another 11 seed in the uh, Sweet 16. You had Oregon beating Iowa and then USC beating Kansas. So that was amazing. Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, uh, and Kentucky. Goodbye. They're not in the Sweet 16 for the first time since the 70s. We will not say one of those names on the second weekend, uh, which is an insane stat. But uh, out of uh, what was your favorite upset out of round two? It had to be uh, Loyola College with Sister Jean and Crutwig, who I'm, who I think might be uh, Officer Barbara's son. From Super Troopers, Officer Barva and his uh, his uncle uh, Paul Blart. <laughs> but he was just on fire. The whole team was. They just single hand single handedly took down Illinois like it was high school basketball. Like they just played proper defense and took every opportunity on offense. It was an amazing thing to see. And I feel ashamed for not picking him to go farther. I don't know what I was thinking, but definitely one of my favorites this weekend. I didn't put any thought into my bracket this year because I, there's just so much uncertainty that it was just you'd you, – picked some names so there there was no thought this year usually i try and like be smart about it and really think who's going to you know upset who's everyone been talking about try and watch at least one game for each team that i think will definitely make it and then you get the teams like the 16 seeds that you've never really heard of or it's really hard to find a game for them at least up here in Canada. So uh, there's no way I would have found an Oral Roberts or uh, an Abel Christian <laughs> or uh, a Winthrop game, uh, Colgate College. You know, it sounds like the toothpaste school, but uh, some of these teams, there's no way I would have been able to find a, a game of theirs. Um, so I just didn't really put a, uh, a, a smart approach this year, I guess, for uh, what what is going on. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, bracket busted right away. So what's cool about the Sweet 16 this year is how diverse it is. Uh, also, looking at the bracket, the top and the bottom are identical. So on the bottom, we have an 11 versus 2 with uh, in the East and Midwest, so Houston versus Syracuse. 
UCLA versus Alabama. And on top, out of the South and West, we have one versus five, so Gonzaga versus Creighton, and number one, Baylor versus Villanova. So it's really cool and they mirror up like that, uh, but also how diverse. We have, let's see uh, if I wrote it down correctly. So we have a numbers one to eight, 11, 12, and 15 in the Sweet 16. I think that's pretty cool to have such a diverse amount of seeds and numbers uh, going into the second weekend. Absolutely. You get maybe the odd, like 11, 12, 15 in the Sweet 16, but not how mirrored up they are and how much of a different and diverse, seeing all these different teams that you don't see past the first round, let alone the tournament very often, uh, is awesome for basketball. It's so boring when you have all the one to four seeds just keep on making it through. It's never fun that way. No, I mean, for some, you see why they're number one seed, like Gonzaga. Uh, With Tommy there, their mustache wonder. But absolutely, you love seeing these stories. I mean, teams like Loyola should definitely not have been an eighth seed to begin with. I think they only lost four games all year. Um, But it's so good seeing you those stories like that or uh other teams it's it's great for basketball it what makes the march madness fun and i'll say that again because that was not english that is what makes (laughs) march madness so fun and exciting and every year keeping people coming back because if it's just all four Every now and then, if they're really good, all number one teams and they all make it to the final four, that's even rare as well. So when all four number one seeds make it to the final four, you're like, oh man, like which one? Uh, but when you get diversity like this in the Sweet 16 and you get people talking and picking, oh, like I want them, I want them. And you get new fans of, and the, just the money that goes to these programs afterwards for years to come helps out those schools and oh 100 what the idea is is that this money goes back to help the students of course it's not always the case but it's a positive (laughs) podcast so uh you know we want them to you know this is going to bring recruiting they can possibly get better players and then get better experiences and more technology in classrooms and down the road do they expand the university or college because of uh, you know, a few wins in a basketball tournament. Uh, that's that's the madness of March. Oh, you're absolutely right. And that's that's what's great. You love people seeing, oh, my back, my bracket's destroyed. Like, you love seeing the hype and the upsets. And that's what March Madness is all about. No team is really safe. You could be a one seed and get, completely destroyed by its team you barely see in the tournament like it's it's great you said it best no seed is safe and uh so going forward what um what games are you excited for who are you excited for who do you hope makes it out of uh the weekend uh into 
uh, the final four? Well, uh, definitely not following my bracket anymore because it's pretty much gonzo. Um, who I would love to see, definitely Arkansas. I had them going forward pretty far, um, along with the Houston and uh, Syracuse game, I think will be great because a lot of people didn't see Syracuse really going farther and beating West Virginia and whatnot. So I feel like that is going to be a great game, Syracuse versus Houston. Uh, definitely way old college. I, I could see them going into the final four again this year the way they've been playing um oral roberts could be and versus arkansas could be a great matchup uh the way they've been playing you never know uh and definitely michigan michigan's been playing great they had a little trouble uh with their last game but come out came away with the victory victory there we go over lsu uh, and Oregon. I mean, Oregon versus USC. You don't know who's going to win that game. And Alabama. Who knew they had a basketball team? Apparently, everybody. Oh, no Alabama, one wants Alabama but... to win because you don't want someone to win basketball and football. You can't be good at both. <laughs> I didn't think they had a good basketball team up in this year until this year, but. I don't know. There's so much uncertainty with the teams that are left. Anybody could take it this year. Well, uh, I have a feeling that a number one team uh, will lose, and I think it will be Baylor. I think Villanova will beat Baylor to advance to the Elite Eight. Uh, Loyola College, uh, I think Syracuse is going to play Loyola College in the Elite Eight. And whoever wins that will be my pick uh, in the final four. Uh, it's just destiny at that point. Uh, whoever wins that matchup is destined to make it to the finals. Maybe not, but that's what I say. I think Michigan's going to be okay in this round. Uh, whoever they play in the uh, Elite Eight, whether it's UCLA or Alabama, I have no idea how they'll match up. Um, I mean, I hope Creighton beats Gonzaga, but so far an undefeated season, uh, you know, they didn't play in 11 days. I mean, they were playing Norfolk state, so they were okay. Handled, uh, Oklahoma. So I think Creighton is going to be their first big test in a long time. Be interesting to watch to see how they handle it. Obviously if they go, then it's wide open uh for everyone because they're clearly still the favorite uh but yeah i whoever syracuse and loyal college whoever wins i think makes it to the final and even if you put a dollar on that and you lose well you lost a dollar if you win you're gonna be going uh pretty big you know what i just might do that and our last piece of, uh, I guess, stuff to talk to on this podcast is the great show Last Chance You. So if you don't know Last Chance You, it started off as a, it's a Netflix show. And they featured 
a well-known junior college in the States that had won countless state championships. And the idea is that um, for junior college, it's not the stop for a athlete who thinks they're a star or will be a star or going to professional. It's, uh, you know, it, it's junior colleges are there to help people get degrees, get jobs, not like a lot of these schools that we've been talking about in March Madness that turn out athlete after athlete that pay their coaches millions of dollars. Uh, but they're there to help people. Not everyone's good at school. Uh, not everyone can get into the schools they want. And sometimes you have to take an unconventional route. And sometimes that is going to a junior college, uh, whether it's just going for a degree and then transferring, or uh, I'm not sure quite how the system works, but you get a degree and then you can go to a, uh, a big name school, if you want to call it that, to help you get into the program that you wanted. Uh, for sports, at least for the football, uh, they get local people and then they get people who didn't quite work out in D1, whether they got in trouble, they became academically inadmissible, whatever happens, they seem to end up at junior college. And this one specifically was really good at re, uh, reintegrating the gentlemen, getting them used to being an adult, accountable getting them better at school and then getting them either graduated onto another uh, D1 school again or getting them that scholarship. And now we're seeing some of those players play in the CFL and the NFL. And so after five seasons of the football one, the first three uh, were definitely the better. The latter two were okay, but they turned their focus on basketball and so this time we head to East LA, uh, com uh, I don't want to call it community college, but uh, East LA, uh, the least known side of LA, if you will. Uh, how excited were you when uh, it was announced that basketball was going to be the next, next subject? I was so excited because I feel like they went to three different schools for football and like football, they were all great. Uh, some of them better than others, like you said. Uh, but it's nice to see kind of the difference between basketball and football because football, you have a huge 50-plus team, some of them, um, and trying to focus the show kind of on a certain number, certain groups of them. It's a little tricky uh, where I feel like the basketball was going to be able to capture that raw emotion from each of the players. And I was so happy when this came out. And, and yeah, like, spoiler alert for anybody oh, that has not watched. It. Yeah. So from this point on, if you've not watched last <laughs> chance, you, uh, you haven't watched football or basketball one, I guess we'll bid you adieu. Uh, if you don't care, you can stay on, but we will be talking about uh, what went on. Uh, so uh, there's your warning. You can't yell at us. Remember, positive first. Uh, but that being said, like you said, you really get to know the players a lot more. You spend a lot more time because there are so few of them compared to a football team. So you don't have to worry about uh, sharing screen time, making sure everyone 
feels like they got enough. They, they didn't focus on one person a lot longer than another person, which is why they really focus on football on the coaches. It's really more of the coaches in the program story. And then the kind of the players fill in the gaps, whereas basketball, they really focus on the coaches, which is good, but they also give ample amount of time an equal amount of time on the players that really make this uh, team kind of tick. Oh, absolutely. Like, I feel like just in the first couple episodes, I learned all about each of those players specifically along with the coaches and their backstory, um, which really helped a pinnacle, like pinnacle role to understand where they're coming from and, get you more and more hooked on the show already just after the first episode well and yeah so it gets because community and junior colleges aren't seen as the you know the dream if you will when you want to become a coach your dream doesn't stop at junior college you want to be a div one you want to be a professional coach overseas and even some of the players say like no 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 i'm going to go play in europe and that's how they're going to get to uh, to the NBA. They're not going to try and get to a D1 school and then get drafted or they're going to go Europe. So there are different ways even now than there were 15, 25 years ago to get to the NBA. It still can be the end goal. But the coaches, I mean, the, the coach started off $15,000. You can't make a living. You can't support a family on that. But you do it just like the players. You do it for the love of coaching, for the sport, for the school, trying to turn something around. He went and played for that school. So there's connection, there's love, there's uh, that feeling that you want to turn things around because the school wasn't very good at basketball uh, before he came into the picture. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, as it show, it kind of explains in the storyline, like they weren't known for basketball, but basketball helped him term, turn his life around along with multiple of the players um, and everyday people. Sports really unite people and kind of bring people together in that sense. And it really shows. And he wanted to give back to the school that kind of helped him become who he is and when you on the surface when you stop looking at it as like oh this is just a junior college like it's not a division one school it's not you know these players aren't getting drafted or when you just take that element away it is a coach who's a really good coach knows how to get his players doing what he wants them to do how to get them to gel and when they don't that's when you go on team retreats, you do team bonding, you talk to each other, you get to know them on a personal level with the cameras there, because that's how teams come together when they face adversity, when they're, you know, almost the number one seed and they, you know, don't want to lose, but they're, you know, might be teetering on falling apart, can't fall apart at the right time. So how does a coach and the team of coaches get the players together to learn even more about each other and not want to kill each other by spending so much time with each other, because that certainly can happen. And you definitely see that 
uh, in there. Uh, but they, like the coaches, they, they help support the kids. They know how to get them to do their work. They put so much effort into this. And without shows like this, you wouldn't see. And this is just one example. How many junior colleges are in the exact same boat? You can make a show for each state picking the top or one of the up and coming schools. And I'm sure people would watch every single season and episode. And uh, it makes it tough when you think about it that way, like how many more kids, students went to D1, didn't take school seriously or couldn't do the work, didn't adjust to the lifestyle, uh, you know, family matters. How many of those kids are out there where they're talented enough to make it to the league, uh, just something didn't go right and they have to pick up the pieces and find another path. Oh, you're absolutely right. You don't hear about half of them, but every year, so many, probably like 1700 D1 scholarships are given out each year, but you never really hear kind of the backstory on that. And a show like last chance, you really tells the story on how hard it is. And, a lot of people struggle with that change. Like you said, you adjust into it and uh, community college has just their kind of stepping stone to get back to their goal. And those coaches really show that support. Like they really showed their caringness and adversity for them and wanting them to succeed, that they wanted them to go farther and go better in their life. And they were going to do everything they could to help them out. And it's like you said, it's not just the players or the coaches. Everyone has not the same experience, but they, the same struggles, you know, two hours sitting in traffic uh, coaches getting home at like nine, 10 o'clock at night. Um, you know, there's no off season. He's not just a coach. He has to teach. Uh, he teaches, you know, physical activity classes during the day. And then, game plan and then recruiting i mean it's good that the head coach can make a living uh, because they knew they had a great coach uh but it's it's not like a d1 where you get paid an obscene amount of money you go recruit tell some kids that they're gonna play basketball come to my school and just focus on basketball they got to teach. They got to worry about the kids. They got to get them to graduate. They got to get them off into the world, get them a degree, get them off to another school so that they get an even better education and set themselves up for life after basketball. Because, you know, a lot of kids, even in division one, don't get drafted to football, to basketball, to hockey. Uh, and that's it. Even those kids that make it to play, college, university, D1, D3, junior college, Canadian uh, U sports, Canadian college. Those are those kids that are lucky to even continue because how many kids in high school, once they're done playing in high school, that's it. You're absolutely right. And it it's really for their coaches, that's, their main goal they want to see them succeed and go do something better with their life in that sense or like not better but more they see the potential that they have 
not just in sports, but in life and what they can do for themselves. And their, their just main goal is to keep achieving that. So what are your kind of top moments or takeaways from uh, this season of Last Chance U? And I assume it'll be back. I don't think they've really announced anything, but that's because they kind of have to wait for another season uh, to happen. Or were they filming this year? Who knows? We don't know. They haven't announced anything. Or have they? And I've just missed it. I really hope they're back. Um... I don't think they've announced anything, but definitely some of the most moments are just seeing how Coach Mosley really kind of how much he cared for the team and the kids there and his connection with one of my favorite characters, Joe, um, and just seeing where Joe came from and how like deep and backwards he came in his kind of main goal and just seeing that connection that coach Mosley never gave up on him no matter how kind of poor his attitude was he made him see that he needed like the team needed him and he needed the team and that he was there to reach out to him anytime he needed him and Joe was a phenomenal player and it shows and he's currently uh starting for Long Beach State, which is a Division One school. And Coach Mosley helped him out of that hole kind of thing. And that was definitely one of my favorite moments of that show. And that's the thing. You need a coach or a support team. Because as we saw in the football one, it wasn't just the head coach. It was all the assistant coaches. It was the uh, academic assistants that they got to and in basketball it was the coaching staff that took on that role of the academic assistant and getting the kids to graduate that is the goal not that they just can get a c average so that they can play is get them the opportunities to graduate to continue on to go get a second degree to get a job so that they end up better than the situation the home uh, where they grew up or getting them back on track if, uh, you know, they stumbled becoming, because, you know, these are all young adults and, you know, leaving home, going to school, playing sports, that's a huge adjustment. And it's a lot, lot different than in high school. And for these athletes that are super gifted, that get told, you know, the moon, uh, oh, you know, you're the top rated high school basketball player in LA. Like that's a huge thing to go through and then you get recruited to d1 and it's not what you expect you don't do well academically and then you get in trouble with the law and things start to spiral you need that support and sometimes you don't have that family support so your teammates and your coaches become your family and yes he yells a lot yes he's very (laughs) very passionate but i mean if that works sometimes you need that and if it helps you produce and helps you see where to go what your direction should be now uh that's you know that's a blessing in and itself and i hope that we get to meet more coaches like coach mosley and i'm sure there are plenty out there and 
you know, kudos to you for being that rock, that high energy, that, you know, thing that many of these players need that kick in the butt. Sometimes it's just a kick in the butt and that's all that it takes. Um, so kudos to all of you uh, for being that kick in the butt that people need. So any final thoughts, anything that you think the listeners should know uh, going into it, if they haven't seen the episode or uh, any wisdom that you want to partake uh, the listeners that you got from watching last chance you basketball. I, if you have not watched it, even though you're listening, I highly recommend watching it. It's by far one of the best documentaries I personally have ever seen. Uh, sport related and not sport related. It just touched on so much raw emotion from a sports athlete side of it, seeing it. I absolutely loved it. And you cannot go wrong with those feel good moments. I feel horrible on how their season ended. I saw it coming with kind of the dates that was kind of coming up and it was leading to it. Um, it's unfortunate because you never know how that team could have finished. Um, but I love also at the end seeing kind of where the players are in the future and stuff and where they kind of moved on. And I love seeing that side of it also. It's uh, always so the best part when you get it. to see, um, you know, it obviously it was filmed uh, a year ago. It takes that long to edit it and get it in place, but it gives you that time where you can kind of catch up to see where the players are. So uh, that's the, I guess, one benefit of it taking so long to film and edit and piece together is uh, you get to see where people are a year plus out from when the crew, uh, the camera crew were there. Absolutely. But yeah, absolutely great documentary. If you haven't watched it, you better go watch it now. And uh, we did pretty good not spoiling almost what uh, what to expect. But there's eight episodes in the season. So uh, lots of stuff to watch. You learn a little bit about if you're interested in coaching. It's great to see what works, what doesn't work, uh, how to push kids in certain uh, mindsets, uh, how not to push them when they're in certain mindsets. And that's all about the growing pains of coaching and learning uh, what to do in certain situations. And uh, with that, that is going to do it for this episode of the Sports United podcast. Once again, Cole, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we, uh, I'm sure we'll see you down the line. Thank you so much for having me and let's see what the rest of March Madness brings. Yeah. So happy March Madness. Uh, we're a little late. Oh, well, so be it. Uh, so stay safe. Enjoy uh, the melting snow. Or if you didn't get any snow, well, congratulations. Enjoy springtime. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, again. Enjoy this weekend's basketball. Enjoy basketball on Monday and Tuesday because everything's just up in the air. And uh, stay safe and sport on.